Welcome to season six of Community. Uganda has one of the youngest populations in the world, and we at SeedSource are cognizant of this fact. So, for the next three months, we will feature young people between the ages of 16 and 35 who are rallying time, talent, and treasure to solve problems and push social agenda in their communities. Okay. Catherine, thank you so much for joining uh, us at SIPSOURCE for this podcast recording. We really appreciate you taking the time. I know, especially now in this season of lockdown and, and with COVID cases rising, you are extremely busy. So I don't take it for granted. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing as frontline staff, just keeping the country safe and, and helping us navigate uh, this season, right? You are welcome. It is equally a privilege and an honor for me to actually be hosted today. So um, I'm excited and um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here, really. Yes, so thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Why we are, are doing this particular podcast featuring young people is to say, because Africans are givers and, and that giving happens in its breadth and its, you know, different variations, even young people are giving. So with that, thank you, Catherine, for joining. Let us know who you are. What are you doing? To, you know, what problem are you solving in your space? How did you start to solve this problem? And what has been that, that journey? Um, thank you so much, Peace. Before I get into the, the, the introduction of myself, I've actually also, as you are going through the, the examples of how generous we Africans are, I'm reminded that many of us come from extended families, yeah? And Absolutely. Extended, yes, and within those extended families, there was always that one individual who seemed to be caring and taking care of everyone, yeah? So mm-hmm. uh, from, I, from a young age, we actually know that we can reach out to people and we can get their support, which is really a wonderful thing. I'm sad that of late, um, we are... We want to stay in a nuclear setting, you know, your house, your children, you visit your other relatives during the festivities. And as a result, people are, are, are looking at their parents as the only source, yet previously we used to share whatever we had. Mm, anyway, mm, mm, yes. <laughs> I am Catherine Nagadia. I am a medical doctor by profession. I'm 29 years old. I'm born again, and um, I love Jesus. I love people. I love especially young girls. I really love young girls. Mm. In my PC, I have I have a picture, which is a collage of me when I was about two, three years old, when I was six or seven, and one that I took last year. And you cannot really tell... If you looked at my picture of three years, you couldn't tell that I am the Catherine of last year. Like, you can't tell the resemblance I was. Oh, really? 
chubby in a villager. Yeah? And I, I, I keep wondering what kind of thoughts my parents had of me at that age, yeah? But I know that their thoughts of me have changed over the years and the thoughts that they kind of have on me and the things that they think I'm able to do are different from what they thought I could do at that age of three or when I was seven. So it's amazing how a person like an image of a person can have so much story and so much impact, but also every life has so much potential. So I am, um, I love girls and I love young girls because I believe they have too much potential. And when we invest into them achieving and being able to achieve their potential, we are ultimately impacting all these spaces where these young girls thrive and will ultimately impact the world. Um, I am a medical doctor, like I said. I work with um, Chirudu National Far Hospital as a medical officer, but I'm also a general surgery resident. I am doing my master's in general surgery from Macquarie University. And if it wasn't for COVID, I would have graduated in, uh, in May this year. So very soon I'll be a surgeon. Um, okay. I am an entrepreneur. I do different things here and there to earn an extra income. So Girls Unstoppable is a company oh, that sorry, is Girls Unstoppable. <laughs> yes, it is okay. And uh, we're a company registered in Uganda. It's a company limited by guarantee, but we are pursuant of uh, NGO status. Registered in December 2016 with a vision of um, creating a generation of girls who are empowered for individual community and um, global transformation. So we do this through giving them education, skills, and holistic knowledge, really, that allows them to be impactful in their spaces, but to also um, have potential, you know, explore their potentials and be everything that God wants them to do. Our umbrella product has been, sorry, our umbrella service has been giving scholarships and also menstrual hygiene and management uh, projects that we have done in schools. And mm-hmm. um, we, would, we would like to give scholarships to 1,000 girls by 2026. Currently, we have only given um, scholarships to 14 girls and uh, 13 of them are actually still currently in school. Um, okay. okay. Yes. So we, we have, we, we, majority of our, our donors are actually fellow youth who are friends and family people that we have studied with. But the thing that is, um, I think, common between most of them is that for majority of them, they have had someone sponsor their education, someone who is not their parent Mm. or primary guardian who has sponsored their education. So majority of them, like me, they would want to give a love gift of education to a person and together we have come together to be able to do this. Uh, You asked me how did this thing start? And um, I think I cannot tell the story of Girls Unstoppable without giving a little about my background uh, because um, when I look back, I see that everything that has happened in my life has kind of 
orchestrated me to this moment, to the moment where I actually chose to sponsor girls and to focus on marginalized adults and girls and ultimately to give back to girls unstoppable Uganda. Okay. Uh, well, when I when I was a young girl, um, we stayed in a pastoralist community in some village in Gumba district. We had one primary school, which was UPE. It had about four classes, one primary four, with, and we had only two structures. So we had two classrooms and a, a, a little room that doubled as the HM's office, but also the staff room. So primary one and primary two used to sit under a tree for classes. So when I was six years of age, I went on to go to primary six. I couldn't wait. Like I was really so thrilled. And I went to school. Yeah. In my school, you had to carry your own, your own chair or your own thing for sitting on. So my mom had bought me a size mat like the previous market day. I had a uniform, I had shoes. Mm. Hey, I was mm. very excited. You're excited. <laughs> Even now yes. you still sound excited. <laughs> yeah, it, because, um, you know, you would have to walk. You know, we didn't have like border borders. So you'd have to walk and you'd go through like a trading center. So people would see you going to school, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. so I went to school and we used to sit under a tree. But because um, this this village is the parish and under the parish, there are like so many other villages. This school was serving such a very large population and the villages were far apart because this is... um. Uh, an agricultural community so people have like farms so people would have to walk so for people who didn't reside on my particular village they would have to be ages of like nine and ten to start coming to school because they would have to walk for some distance to come to school yeah so many of the girls and the students that the pupils that i i sat in my primary one classroom under the tree were people of of 10, 11 years, yeah, because they would have mm. to have that energy and you know that yeah. to be able to walk to one mm. from their home. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was, and I was among the youngest, uh, six years of age. So it wasn't very uncommon to have girls who had, who had like started puberty, you know, who were already having, growing their breasts in my primary one, yeah. Uh, but also, the community where I come from, uh, given that they are Bahima, they weren't in those days very pro girl education. So the girl would come to school like for primary one and primary two. By in primary two, they are like 14 years. So they would take them out and you know they would give them out to, to get married. So it was very, very common. So that's the school where I went for my primary one. And uh, I, I during that same period, um, my older sisters, yeah, my older sister and my older brother, they were away in boarding school because, like I told you, from primary four, you would have to look for another school. So either you would have to drop out of school or your parents would have to look for another school where they would take you to. So for my parents, they would have to take us to within the same district. There was like a school and you would have to sit in a taxi like it was really far away. And that's where we would go to bed in school. So for my primary one, I had school at my village school. 
And in primary two, I was taken to boarding school. Of course, I was very, very excited. And the school band was amazing. We had girls, sorry, not girls, as pupils who used to come from Kampala, from Masaka, Kalangala, you know, kids coming from different, different, um, different districts. But these mm, mm. kids were also different because where I came from, uh, our parents were either farmers, uh, they, 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 or they had like a small shop. There were a few people who would do carpentry, like things like that, yeah? So I went to a school and kids had parents, they would tell you stories of my father goes to the office. You know, it was, it was really different. So I was really intrigued. And, you know, I was amazed that, you know, people had TV, like it was a very exciting world, really different. So I enjoyed going away in boarding school. So I couldn't wait to return in the holiday and tell my, my colleagues of the amazing things that have happened to me during my first year of boarding school. Unfortunately, when I returned, many of my colleagues had either dropped out of school or they had been married off. Or they were not um, they were not really excited about the things that I was starting to get excited about, like the fact of you know pursuing an education and having a white collar job and all these other things, having a profession, you know, thinking about going to secondary school, like these things were really strange to them. But also um, my parents started telling me that you know what, you cannot hang around those people because now you see you have like a different dream, and these are not people to really cheer you on you know these are no longer your peers and holidays were such a lonely thing so I always craved to have another person who thought like I in my community who wasn't part of really my my family so anyway I went home to study and did my primary seven exams in the same school and I was the best student in my school in that year so I was able to go to a better school, like out of my district, and I went to another district. Finally, I was able to graduate. Okay, not really graduate, but finish my senior six. And I performed well, and I was able to get into medical school on private sponsorship. It was such a challenging decision for my family to take because it meant that I was going to pay lots of money. And my parents would have to part away with family wealth, like they would have to sell their cows. Because I remember very well, um, when I got my admission, the first thing that my dad asked me for was, how much is the tuition? And I told him we needed to pay like 3.4 million. And all my siblings before me had either done a course in an institution. I had, I, I, my, the, the one that I follow had gone to university, but she was paying like a one point something, yeah? So 3.4 million was such lots of money for my mm, parents. Like the comparison. Mm. Yes, like they couldn't imagine they would be able to stretch that much. But I had gotten another course on, um, <clears throat> on government sponsorship. And my dad thought, you know what, I think for the good of all of us, eh, you're better off doing your government sponsored course. And, and you know, uh, after you, you can pursue this, dream of you know of doing medicine on like as a privately sponsored student when you graduate and you've made some of your money uh but mm, mm. you know after reconsidering was like you know what where there is a will there is a way so i remember that day i reported to university a truck 
you know, I think you've seen those trucks that have that have lots of cows from the villages. Eh? A truck like yes, that I have yes, and they loaded cows like fourteen of them. They paid my dad, and he got all the money, gave it to me, and he's like, my daughter, this mm. is your money, and and like do justice with it because you see we have lots of this man and you know you can't you can't think that a cow can give birth every year and you have another cow to sell at the end of the year which is which is tantamount to the money and the inputs that you're putting so it was such a setback for my family so i was able to Mm. get into medical school and the plan was i should look for a scholarship because there was no way would sell uh, would sell cows every semester to be able to sustain me for the next five years at that time i remember nice cows would be like 700k so to be able to get 3.4 million we would have to at least part with you know with like five or seven cows like five to seven cows depending on how they looked and and the prices for bargaining so it wasn't going to be sustainable so when i got into medical school i looked for scholarships i applied for money for state house for so many other scholarships i was never successful yeah and in my second second year holiday my dad fell sick and we got admitted in Malawi or he underwent lots of surgery. And the other thing that my dad used to do was used to collect local revenue tax on behalf of the of the local government. Yeah. So he would apply for that tender, pay some money, and then you have to remit certain amounts of money on a monthly basis. So every time people in my village would collect, uh, would would gather for the market days, would collect revenue and then remit it on behalf of the government and also get a cut. So during this period, we are not able to do that because it was like a business that he was only doing himself, but he had to keep remitting the monies. So on top of the bills and having to remit that monies, we had to sell off more stuff, and I nearly dropped out of medical school. However, like I told you, throughout mm. the plan had been look for scholarships. I kept applying for scholarships and during that holiday, I got a scholarship from Wales Mountain Initiative. And I remember, like you said, um, the communities we come from, like Africans, we are really generous people. So uh, between the reviews of, you know, you get discharged from hospital, uh, we used to stay at a relative's home within Kampala. Yeah. So I remember that night when I opened my email on my Kanokia slider phone. I remember so well, it is so vivid. I got this response on my email address and I went into the bedroom where my parents were sleeping and I told them, mommy, I just received an email. I have a scholarship. My mom was like, from who? Like we have been applying to stay <laughs> like you can't tell me know you has given you a has given you one Hmm. yes anyway your dad has been in pain like this entire time and he has just slept off let us discuss this tomorrow so i went back to my my bed very disappointed because my parents couldn't share in the excitement and the next day i told my dad and the scholarship that i got i actually would even get like a balance of like 600k every year i was too excited like i was too excited it was so unbelievable 
to my parents, it was like one of those miracles of we can't explain this favor, we can't explain this love. So when that happened, the fact that people couldn't believe that a person who hasn't seen you, who hasn't, you know, they just heard of you, about you, uh, gave you a scholarship, just mm. inspired me. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I definitely have to give a love gift of education to at least one person in my lifetime. Yeah, so I held on to that dream. I completed medical school. And in 2016, when I graduated in January, I remember I had that dinner in Masaka because um, I, I went to university in Mara and I we come from Gomba. So Masaka was like, like a nice place we live in a form. Like it is in between there, there. So we had a dinner in Masaka and I told one of my bigger sisters that, you know what? I have this thing upon my heart. I need to at least sponsor one girl for my village. At least one girl. So we talked about it. She was like, but you see, Catholic education is very expensive. Imagine sponsoring someone for like over 13 to 18 years, yeah? It is very expensive. Like it takes lots of money. Where are you going to get that money from? Before prior, prior to my graduation, World's Mountain Initiative, which sponsors so many uh, students at university and tertiary institutions, really, had organized a conference. Yeah, it is called a Dream Big Conference. They usually do it every three years. And this time it had been hosted in Nairobi. So I had an opportunity to go to Nairobi. Oh, that was actually the first time I crossed the borders. So I, I had gone to Nairobi and there was a girl from Tanzania. Who, who, when she got uh, the World's Mountain Initiative Scholarship, she also vowed to sponsor someone, yeah? And for her, her strategy was, she was going to, to tell people on her graduation to like pass a basket, a giving bag, and the money that people would give, she would utilize that to take another person to school. I actually just copied the same model. <laughs> I told my sister, you know what? That I'm going to receive on my graduation. I will, I will, I will like use it. But also at that time, I was doing my internship from Lachok Hospital, which is in Gulu. And I knew people would, if I ever had a graduation party, people would give me cups and saucepans and plates and all these other things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, my mom had a, like a, a small retail shop. Yeah. I was like, I'll give these things to my mom. She sells them, she gives me money because I can't carry all these saucepans and all these cups to light you. Like in Guru, yeah? carry them yeah. from Gomba to Kampala, then there's another bus to Guru. It's like, no, I'll just sell off these things. So finally, I was able to get a graduation party in May, and God was so gracious. I got 600k of cash money, like presents. I got two gods, and of course, those other things. So from those six, that 600K and the money that I got during my internship, we were able to send our first girl to school in 2017. And that girl actually came from my village, yeah? But between my, the, May of 20, the, the May of 2016 and December 2016, when we actually decided to register Girls Unstoppable Uganda, I, I, I started opening up about this dream and this vision. And before I knew it, we were like, you know what, instead of doing one girl, can actually do four girls every year. Yeah. Even actually ended up registering a, an organization, a company, because you know, 
people would want to deal with something that is legitimate and something that has a structure and all these other things. So Girls Unstoppable was born like that. Oh my goodness. That is a story, Catherine. That's a, that's a really, really, really good story, Catherine. I, and I like that you, you, you took an experience that for someone who's listening, they're probably thinking that that's, that's, I'm, I'm going through something similar. Maybe my circumstances are not ideal or someone who's thinking that I need to have, you know, I need to have a million, maybe a million or 10 million shillings or a hundred million shillings before I can start to do something. And I really like that you said out of one conversation, there was a passion in your heart, but out of one conversation with a person you had met at an event, you took action. You didn't, you put the dream to work. so to speak, you put the dream to work. You didn't just decide, you know, let me keep finding the, the passion as opposed to let me do something. You didn't yeah. wait. Yes, you didn't You didn't wait to have lots and lots and lots and lots. You said, no, 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 I'm going to start with this one thing mm. and, and, and keep growing and keep going. So I, I so he, you know, now uh, Girls and Stop People has started I'm interested in in knowing how did you go from one girl to you said you you now have 14 14, yes. 14 and those 14 13 of the 14 have been it's a been a continuous people. journey yes yes yeah yes. yes. it's been a continuous journey it wasn't a it wasn't a start stop how how have you managed to do that um so when when I when we decided when I decided that we are going to do this, uh, like I said, I shared with my sister. So my sister is a co-founder with me. She's called Paula Isavige. She's a co-founder. Uh, but alongside us, we had other three other co-founders whom whom we resolved to um, to that, that resolved to exit because uh, they were not able to keep up with their obligations. Yeah. But okay. alongside us, alongside the two of us, we have come to get very many partners. Um, I would say that um, over the over the past five years, we've had over over sixty people give uh, give us money yeah, towards the scholarship fund, and this has been in creative ways. Yeah, we have mm-hmm. two people who have given us money. We have our partners. Uh, who sign up to give us a certain amount of money every month or every every certain period, yeah? It can okay. be once a year, it can be every quarter, it can be every month, yeah? So okay. we have a number of people who signed up for that. And so far, we I can say we have about 30, 30 people who give us money on a, on a routine basis, like we have signed up to be consistent givers. Okay. Then we okay. have also held uh, what we call fun fundraisers. Yeah, like I told mm-hmm. you, the majority of the people that are giving us money are youth. So what we have done is uh, we have always organized a fun activity, and alongside this fun activity, we we are able to have fun and earn a profit, like save a certain amount of money that we channel towards the scholarship fund. So we have had two fun activities uh, before we have had one in uh, Busika and another one in a place uh, I think it was in 
Grover, somewhere on, on that road. Okay. Um, so we go and have fun and we are able to save. So we get into partnership with a place where we are going to hold the activity from and they reduce mm-hmm. the prices because we are lots of numbers. But also the youth get to have fun and, you know, we get to, to earn money. Uh, then also the other ways that we have been able to raise money has been through like festive fun, fundraisers. So for example, around for the last three years, around Christmas, we have been running a festive fundraiser and we okay. ride on the spirit of Christmas and the fact that God gave us his son for people to be able to give, like tap into that spirit. So we run on our social media platforms. We ask people in the groups where we belong to contribute towards the festive fundraiser, yeah? So those are the unique ways we have tried to see that we engage people within Uganda and actually tell them that, you know what, you don't have to be very different. You don't have to have lots of money in the bank account. That Mm. 50K consistently can do something because our budget for school fees uh, in the last like three years has been 2.4 to 2.7 per girl every every year yeah and if someone gives you a 50k consistently that means you are able to raise 600,000 which is really great it is a quarter of the money you would need yeah yeah so if you have very many of those people coming on board we have seen that it is actually very very sustainable but also we have remained a very lean staff and we have had people coming on board as volunteers so that when we collect this money we don't spend lots of it on you know our overheads you know on salaries and all these other things so we have Mm -hmm. very many volunteers we have two sets of volunteers we have volunteers who are volunteering on programs yeah like if we need to go visit um visit girls in the community if we need to go do community service people who volunteer to do that but we also have a unique category of volunteers who we call the virtual volunteers and the virtual volunteers are people who who are there to 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 spread girls and stop content yeah so we, we can develop a post uh today and share it on the pages and ask these people to share it on their pages so that people get to know about girls unstoppable and what we are about and we also believe that it is easier for a person for example it is easy for me to get into pieces circle of friends as girls unstoppable girls unstoppable can penetrate your circle if you as a person rise up to stand for us, as compared to when Catherine, whom they don't know, they're like, ah, yeah, young girl who is not yes. even married, she doesn't have a car, she may get her money and buy a car, yeah? But if mm. he stands for us and is like, you guys, I am sold out to this cause, please join, yeah? People are mm. more likely to contribute towards girls and stop people if you stand for us in that space. So we have, we have put up those opportunities for people to stand in the gap for us and, and share our cause and ask people to give us those monies. However, um, at the beginning of this year, uh, when we looked critically at our vision as Girls Unstoppable, which is to create a generation of girls who are empowered, a generation means that there are lots of people. It's not one, two, three, four. When we started out, we thought that within us as the founders, 
would give an additional four scholarships every year. So it has been an additional four scholarships every year since the first girl that we took to school. Actually, we did uh, one, then we did okay. two, then we did four years. Then we have done the, last year we gave this year sorry we gave seven scholarships seven new scholarships and these have been consistent so that girls that we have sponsored the previous years are sponsored for the rest of their education their secondary school education so it's been accumulative like that however I'll, we want a generation yeah and for us to be able to create a generation like I don't want it to happen when I have died yeah. So we, we were like, you know what, we need to see this generation as people who founded this organization. So we are stepping out in faith and believing God that we shall be able to give education to 1,000 girls because, you know, numbers are the ones that are going to create that generation. So you're building a movement. You're building a movement. Yes. It sounds like you've, 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 you've planned, you've rethought, you've unlearned some things and learned new ones and you've adapted depending on what's happening in the seasons and 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 it has brought you to this to this point um before we come to the to the end of of, of our conversation because sadly we have to <laughs> we, we we have to finish there's something that i i just going through your website there's something i thought was very 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 interesting and i'd like you to talk a little bit about it Okay. I think you have a program, you have as part of your program, you have an initiative where the girls that you work with, the girls that you, you sponsor also need to start giving back. Is that is that correct? Is that accurate? Yes, yes, very accurate. Actually, it is, um, it is a prerequisite for us to renew your scholarship for the next year. You're supposed to have given 40 hours of community service. That is incredible. I, I have learned that, um, like you say, very many people fear to give because they think they need to have much. Yeah. So we are trying yes, to yes. teach our young girls that you're able to give now. You may not give them money. You may not construct the road, mm. but you're able to give someone, even if it means helping an old lady on the, in the community. You can like sweep the road. Sign up. Yes. Sign you may up not be like, able to build it, but you can sweep it. Yes. And and mm. we tell them to do those practical steps consistently. Yeah, consistently. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. as we do this, we hope that they will actually be able to recognize that actually, even if I am marginalized, I am able to contribute to my community. And it has worked. We've had a certain girl who comes from Lira district who who has consistently gone to this hospital in her holidays to help, like she cleans, you know, helps patients move about. Mm. And, mm. And, and when you read her reports, you're like, oh my God, these, these are things that a person can only experience if they get to do them, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Every time yeah. we share those stories of what the girls are doing in their communities, our donors on the page are like, oh my God, this is really incredible. Like beyond the education, when you teach someone to be a person who is generous, yes. I think you've, you've like taught them the, the best lesson because community is teaching us to be selfish, to just think about ourselves, to amass wealth for ourselves. But, and the other thing that we also ask them to do is to always 
do something that earns them 20k per, per holiday like you should okay. be able to earn because you see i went to to medical school medical school is five years and there was another year of internship six years on top of the 13 of primary and secondary yeah yes yes but i was never told how to handle money yeah the only mm. time i handled mm. money as a child was was when they give it to me to go buy something so money was always for spending yes Even my pocket money was always for spending this is so true school, this is true i always endeavored to spend the money yeah we never saved towards a goal we never saved towards anything we were mm-hmm, never told mm-hmm. we thought you know i have to first graduate from school for me to be able to think about something i do but you're like young girls need that you're supposed to be different and we are teaching them these little muscles of saving saving yes. and trying yes. to invest and looking at earning a skill while mm-hmm. they are still young because these things make a huge difference so we always trust true. them to do that and they have come up with creative ways of actually earning money. We have a girl who comes from a slum in Chinawataka. She has an urban garden. Me, I have something. I have space in front of my house and I'm not going. She has an <laughs> urban garden. She gets, she gets torn, torn, uh, torn jeans, sacks, what, gets soil and plants vegetables. These girls, if they are going to be girls who are girls of impact, they have to be girls who are generous and generosity definitely requires money. So they better start earning early. Yes, yes, yes. Catherine, thank you so much. I like that there's continuity in the continuity of generosity in, 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 in as part of your program that even the people that you, you are supporting, you're supporting, you're giving to them skills but you're also giving to them the gift of generosity i also like that you're teaching that that you're teaching generosity it's it's amazing for i think for some people we think that generosity is is a it's like a gift it's like it's like whether you can if you can sing you can sing if you can't you can't and Mm. so some people think some people are gifted with generosity and others are not (laughs) but i like that you're you're demystifying that and saying we can only learn all of us can learn and so you're being intentional to teach to teach generosity and to teach a sense of other yeah to teaching ubuntu uh, this this idea yeah. that that you're able to when one person in the community is not well we are all not well and when we are yeah. we, we all yeah our strength is is when all of us are strong as opposed to one yeah. person is is strong and then everybody else is weak then really we, we have a weak community Catherine, this has this has been really good. I want to appreciate you. I want to appreciate the work that you're doing with Girls Unstoppable. For many people who are in the giving space, the focus the focus is is let's give, and that's a great and wonderful mm-hmm. thing. But to hear mm-hmm. that there is also the element of yes, let's give, but let's teach you who's who. The, let's teach the community how to begin to think about giving to the next person basically passing on what it is that you have received mm. i wish you all the best as you get to your 1000 i i also uh hope and pray that you will have more people join you on the journey you'll have more volunteers more partners more people who are are willing who see your vision and and connect with it 
And this country thanks you, this, this country, Uganda thanks you because what you're doing is not just for now. It, the, 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 the work that you're doing is going to have lasting impact because you're impacting people. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. Thank you for the blessings I receive them. And I, I am grateful for having been hosted on Seed Source today. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to share the dream that I have. I, I pray that someone was impacted and someone's life has been changed and someone has has been inspired to actually begin with whatever they have and just follow through. Thank you, Catherine.